The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world for which every day is media day. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman, and we make media. We do. We sure do. And we're here with another World Series preview episode. Now, the one you heard earlier this week was just Jake and I just giving our scorching hot takes about what this World Series between the Phillies and the Astros is going to look like. But now, finally, after it's, we, you know, we used to love having guests on our podcast and we decided to catch up. We decided to compensate for all the guestless episodes over the last month and pack in six whole guests for you fine listeners into this episode. Jake is in Houston. He's at Minute Maid Park. I am not, unfortunately. Uh, I'm not traveling for this postseason. So we had to do some little movie podcast magic to make this happen, but we did it through the magic of Zoom and and task cams. We have this podcast here for you. And uh, Jake, who are we going to hear from in this episode? We're going to hear from Jake Mintz. We're going to hear from Jordan Schusterman. We're going to hear from the ambient sounds of Minute Maid Park. But more importantly, we're going to hear from Philadelphia Phillies outfielder Brandon Marsh, Phillies outfielder Matt Veerling, GM, oh, not GM, president of baseball operations, Dan, uh, Dave Dombrowski, beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Alex Coffey. And then on the Houston side, we're going to hear from Ryan Stanek, one of their relievers, and Jeff Passan, the second baseman for the Houston Astros. <laughs> yes. Uh, quick note on the president of baseball operations title. I love seeing it referred to as P-O-B-O. Like, I just love just seeing Pobo wherever people are tweeting about <laughs> tweeting about these guys. And, and Dombrowski really, really, you know, embodies that, the, that Pobo energy. And the, the interviews you're going to hear, the setup has been very hilarious and very janky. It is me in the dugout with a microphone. Jordan is here uh, on a tripod through, the, uh, through a phone. And so people have been talking to his face. A lot of people have walked by and been like, Jordan. So uh, even though you are not here, you are here. I am. And the most funny part, of course, has been the people uh, seeing all of your phone notifications come down uh, while they've been talking to us. So if you hear any jokes about that, that's what the setup is. But we're super glad we were able to make this happen. Some super fun conversations. Dabrowski was fantastic. Both Philly center fielders were fantastic. Uh, Stanek was hilarious. Coffee and Passan. I mean, they're, they're some of our favorites in the, in the industry, and you'll, you'll know why we're talking to them. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great time, and, and we, we, we hope you enjoy. All right, we got Brandon Marsh here at the World Series. Brandon Marsh, uh, you were traded halfway through the season. 
what was day one like of coming into a new place? Like, was it like the first day of school and you had to like introduce yourself to people? What did you wear on day one? Yeah, I was actually going to say it was uh, I wore the best thing I had in my closet that day when I came to Philly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I feel like, you know, coming over to a new squad, there's always those like those nerves that are that yeah. that'll kick in, uh, seeing how you'll fit in with the guys. But uh, at the end of the day, it's just baseball. So we just we're all we're all one big family out there. We're out there just competing for the same thing. It's, it's been a lot of fun. But uh yeah, I mean, the guys, they welcomed me in uh, super quick, and uh, they made it easy for my family and I to, to make the transition. So uh, it's been a blessing the whole way. I feel like players talk about Philly being different, and I'm sure growing up on the East Coast, you had a little bit of a sense for that. But how different is it compared to actually, you know, being living in it and playing for the Phillies compared to what you, you had heard about? Yeah, you know, uh, I grew up a Braves fan. Uh, so I watched the Phillies a bunch growing up, you know, Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, all those guys. So uh, I knew they had a really good fan base just, you know, just from seeing it on the TV and knowing the, the Braves uh, rival at some point. But uh, but, um, you know, it's a it's a lesson to get to play at the bank in front of all those guys. You can't ever hear yourself think or talk. So you're just out there balling. So it's uh, <laughs> you only have you only have one option. And that's the that's the play ball. So that's what we've been doing. So you never got to go to college. No. Right, you were drafted straight out of high school. And as someone who played college baseball, like being around your team, you guys move like a college baseball team. Like you party like a college <laughs> baseball team. You you were weird as hell like a college <laughs> baseball team. You know what I mean? And I, that's a good thing. Yeah. I'm curious for you, like as someone who never had that experience, how different has this clubhouse been to other places you've played in terms of like replicating that time in your life that you never got? Yeah, uh, I always wonder what college would be like. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's... Uh, I think it was the best thing I didn't go. Yeah, but um, it's uh, you know, it's um, it's been a lot of fun celebrating, right. popping bottles with the guys, staff, everybody. So uh, there really hasn't been any like specific moments, but I mean, just the the character that, of this team. Yeah, you know the 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 unity. It's 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 been it's been special to be a part of. Because so. like so much of baseball, when you're kind of up in the minors, is like it's tough because it's like about you, right? Like you have to look out for you first and like you're, it's less about the communal aspect of being on a team. And what I love about you guys is like, you are that, right? Like yeah. you have to play for one another at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, the 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 personal stats are thrown away at this point. You know, we've already had that talk. We're, we're here to win games, pass the baton, get to the next hitter. So then yeah. get three outs and get back in. So that, that's just, that's that's the mission. That's the, uh, that's the, the message that we have. And uh, that's just what we have to continue to keep doing. Uh, so my last one for you is you mentioned everyone was really welcoming when they came in, when you came in and, and after the trade. Is there one person that you've connected with in particular? You'd be like, that's my dude. Because I know you had, I know, um, you, you know, you and Joe Adele back in Anaheim. I remember interviewing you guys when you guys came up together. I don't know if you have someone on the Adele level, but is there one player in particular or teammate that you've gotten really close with? So I've been around him now for like the last three weeks and I know who that person is. I'm curious what Marsh is going to say. Um, well, I got to say, I live with the Wolfman. I live with Mayton. So Mayton and I have gotten pretty close. You know, that, that's my guy. Um, How is he as a roommate? He's, he's a clean dude. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, How I'm, are you as a roommate? Not as clean as him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll wake up in the morning. The whole kitchen, the whole living room, it's all spotless and i know i didn't do it the night before so that's weird because mayton doesn't like move like a clean oh no he's got like no, he's, he's a clean dude yeah wow. he, he makes sure all his stuff's in line makes sure everything's put away so 
it's it's good that I'm rooming with him. But uh, I mean, I gotta say, Maytime for one of them. Uh, I mean, Stodder, you know, a bunch a bunch of the young guys. But uh, I would say uh, some of the veterans, you know. Uh, I mean, I've, I've clicked well with uh, with Schwarber, Casty, Reese, Hart, pretty well. Dude, anyone it's, could click with Schwarber. Yeah, I mean, Schwarber's like, a man. So I know Cassianos, he's taking me under his wing. He's been telling me more and more about the game on and off the field. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hart, you know. Uh, and Reese, he's been a great leader for us, you know, on and off the field, the, the, vo- the voice of our team. So he's uh, – a lot. I mean, just I can't really single anyone out. I've been, yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been vibing with everyone. So, and I'm looking forward to the future with these guys. Two more. Number one, I want to ask you about defense and center because this team, before you got here, like the biggest flaw was outfield defense. And like we know, Cassianos and Schorber work hard, yeah. but they're not Gold Glovers, and I think they know that, and and they do the best that they can. But what that means is like for you, there's a lot of responsibility to be out there in center and to track balls down and like to be that guy. Has there been any kind of communication from the team where it's like, hey, we don't care if you go over five at the plate, your job is to go out there and, and get the balls. And I guess for you, like how much pride do you take in being a vacuum cleaner? Yeah, I mean, I take, I take a lot of pride in, uh, in defense. Just, uh, you know, me being young in the game. Yeah. Uh, the bat's clicked, it hasn't clicked, you know, it hasn't really came yeah. around the way I wanted it to, but uh, you know, I can always control what I can out there in center. Yeah. So. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun, you know, roaming around out there, just tracking, tracking fly balls down. But uh, I mean, yeah, the guys they told me from day one, they were like, your job is to catch every ball in the outfield. So until I hear them say it, it's my ball. So yep. that, that's uh, that's kind of where we're at. And uh, I mean, those those guys keep doing what they're what they're doing at the plate. Yep. That's fine. I, I can do my best to try to hold down the outfield with Matty V. So that's just what we're going to keep try to keep that going. Last question. Let's talk quickly about wetness. Um, <laughs> my not wet. It's not wet right now, <laughs> but I did see you about I want to say 15 minutes ago before BP. You got wet. You yeah. did the routine. <laughs> What's been the response? So I like wrote a big article about you getting wet, and <laughs> and people have come up to me and been like, "Yo, the article on Marsh being wet is great." <laughs> have you had people ask you like why your hair's always wet? Has it been more of a thing this postseason than it was in Anaheim? Yeah, you know, uh, people think it's all grease, and I'm like, no, I wash my hair. That's oh. not what you told me. Uh, no, people, no, you, no, 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 no. I'm saying like I put conditioner in it. Okay, you know okay, I mean? okay. Like, but, but that's not uh, washing it. But it's not greasy. Okay, it's not greasy. You can smell it. You can smell it. Yeah, just, you want to go out? Wait, 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 wait. It smells but fine. I, I just want to know: is this something you you started in Philly, or has this been all the way up through the through the big leagues, or through like in it your started, pro career? Uh, so it started earlier this year in Anaheim, okay. where it was just you know kind of beginning of the summer. I was like, dude, it's hot out here. My hair is like getting frizzy and it's going all over the place, and I don't want to cut it, but I don't want it everywhere all on my face. So I just I water it down with a couple. Yeah. Maybe even a whole bottle of water, depending on how dry it is. You never know. But uh, get a little towel after so it's not dripping too much. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I want, I want to keep it down and out of my face. So, And I feel like that's the quickest and easiest solution. Here, here's my thinking on this. It's October now. You know, in Houston, you don't have to worry about you're playing inside. But there's October games yeah. where it's freezing. Like, are you oh, – yeah. like, say you go back to Philly and it's 30 degrees. Are we still getting wet? Like, what's the plan there? <laughs> It doesn't matter, rain or shine, hot or cold, the hair is getting drenched. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna continue to keep that thing going. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep it wet. And uh, whether it's thirty degrees with twenty wind chill in Chicago or it's seventy five and sunny here in Houston, the hair is gonna be drenched. We're gonna get to a point, you know, like the kid who would go on vacation for like winter break 
in elementary school to like the Caribbean and they would come back with like the things in their hair. You're going to like have like icicles, like you're gonna running in center at the bank, like clinking around, making big noise. Yeah, no, there's times. I know that when we were in the, we were at the bank, I think it was against the Braves. It was a little rainy. Yeah, yeah, day, yeah. A little cold day. And I had to wet the hair and I was running out of center and it was dripping down my back. I was like, oh, man, I shouldn't be doing this. But we can't put you on the aisle with hypothermia, dude. That's 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 a no go. I, I, we just have to let's just end. Okay. Let's just end on this here. Your name is literally Marsh. I mean, this part has not been hammered home enough. I mean, I'm looking at the definition of Marsh on Google and it says an area of low lying land, which is flooded in wet seasons and typically remains waterlogged at all times. I mean, that's you. You are typically waterlogged at all times. Yeah, shout out, shout out my parents for the last name. <laughs> shout out to my, shout out to Brandon, to Mr. the Marsh and Mrs. Fam. Marsh, amazing, the Marsh fam. Uh, Brandon, my dude, thank you for spending time with us. Appreciate An absolute you character, thank you, guys. one of a kind. Hey, uh, good luck in the uh, World Series, by the way. <gasps> it's time to get active. Let's go, Phil. Good luck, Let's dude. Keep fighting. Adios, sir. <laughs> All right, we are here with Philadelphia Phillies center fielder against lefties. Yes. Defensive replacement, but he's also irreplaceable. And elite vibes guy, Matt Veerling. Matt, hello. Good to be here, guys. Was what that a, a sufficient intro? What an introduction. Wow. I mean, it was truthful. It was kind. I thought it was everything you would need. It, Yeah, it's a it's a great introduction. I, I think you, you hit everything. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I want to turn the clock back to the fall of 2015. Wow. Matt Veerling is a freshman at Notre Dame College in Indiana, fresh nice. off your senior year at a St. Louis high school. Uh -huh. That October, I assume you grew up a Cardinals fan. Is that fair to say? I did. Okay. I did. That yeah. October, the Cardinals lost in the playoffs. Do you remember why? Oh. Oh, against man. Against the Cubs. It was against the Cubs. I'll tell you what, that was, that was a busy fall for me. I. I don't know if I remember all that well. So a gentleman named Kyle Schwarber oh, okay. hit a ball remember now. on the top of the scoreboard <laughs> at Wrigley Field. And I would imagine that a young Matt Vierling was watching that and was like, fuck this guy. You, yeah, you jogged my memory a little bit there. I do remember that. Uh, that was a mammoth home run. Okay. Um, yeah, that one hurt pretty bad. My, my roommate is actually from Springfield, Illinois. Uh, Cole Daly and we, we're both Cardinal fans so that that one hit us pretty hard now that I remember and yeah. here we are now and no longer is Matt Veerling at any point thinking fuck Kyle Schwarber Jesus Christ I mean he showed me a video of that home run a couple couple months ago I remember being fired up for him how, the th how things have changed I know it's pretty yeah. crazy for you to think of right like I was thinking about that like kid from St. Louis just yeah. just steamed because it's like the Cubs are good now like and it's all Kyle Schwarber's fault. Oh, man, I remember being Notre Dame too. It's right by Chicago. I there were so many Cubs fans. Yeah. on that campus. So that one hurt pretty bad. I remember. Have you Yeah. Have you ever been out uh you know pitching change you're in center Schwarber comes over and there's just like a silence and then he's just like Man, I crushed that ball, man. Like, you remember that? Like, you were a sad little freshman, and I made Dude. you, I made you angry. Yeah, yeah. There has, there, there hasn't been one out there in the outfield like that. But actually, uh, a couple days ago, he was looking at some stuff, some video. Yeah. And I don't know if he brought up that one, but he was looking at some past ones just to kind of get the vibes going again. And. Yeah, I'm like, man, dude, you've crushed some absolute mammoth home runs. That must be so nice to be a Kyle Schwarber and just like to pull up 
old tanks that you've hit just oh. to like feel good about yourself. It's That's so... not something that me and Jordan like can do. Right? <laughs> like when we How feel me, well, you can more than us. Like you've no, done things on a baseball. Like me and Jordan, like when we are bummed, like we just have a beer or like <laughs> hug someone we love. You guys get to just pull up highlights. True. I mean, he, he's got a, a, quite a few more than me like that, yeah, which is true. Which is pretty cool, but um, but yeah, no, he, God, he he hit some mammo tanks, and yeah, it's cool when he goes back. It's funny when he goes back and looks at some of the video. It's like so low key. Like, oh yeah, it's like not a big deal. He's like, oh, I, I hit this ball pretty hard, and I look, and it's just like one of the biggest home runs in playoff history. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, in, in the post game presser, we asked him about the 488 foot. He goes, a point's a point. <laughs> right. We're like, right. dude. Like you that's all a, you got. That's all you got. Like you hit it 488 feet. Okay, so I actually do want to ask you about this team being like a college team because I think you mentioned this at some point. And being around you guys, like having played college baseball, you guys move and interact with one another like you're a college team. And I'm curious yeah. for you, someone who spent three years playing college baseball, when did it kind of dawn on you that this group wasn't going to be like? a bunch of hardos yeah and was yeah. going to be a more enjoyable experience i mean i would say it really hit me when uh harp and seggy went down mm -hmm. i think we started kind of coming together as a team and we had like a awesome karaoke night like mm -hmm. everybody got up there and just let it eat where was that st louis okay. like this was earlier in the year and i remember like that's type of stuff you know you're you're at like a college party and everyone's just screwing around having a good time and and like that that kind of got the vibes going and then ever since then it's just kind of been like everybody's been you know pretty vulnerable with each other getting really close and yeah. just super like like having a good time partying after the games just enjoying each other's company and we're always together that's what kind of kind of reminds me of college you're just always around these guys all the time and that's why i think we love playing on the road because you're just with each other right. all the time yeah. And you guys had to be on the road for that yeah, stretch, I mean, right? That last those last ten games, although we were on the road, I think it was like pretty vital for this playoff run. It kind of made us closer as a team. Yeah. yeah. Jordan. So one more one more Notre Dame slash college related question. I know you were a few years uh, later, but Trey Mancini, who was of course across the other dugout, played at Notre Dame as well before you. Now he had a great career there. Were there any when you were on campus? Were there stories like, oh man, you know, Trey once did this either on or off the field, where it was like, oh, remember when Mancini, you know, hit that homer in fall ball, or remember when Mancini did <laughs> yeah. X Y Z, and you were probably like, God, why are we still talking about this Mancini guy? So do you have any how many uh, memories of that? Yeah. You know what he? Uh, you were telling me something the other day. Uh, no, right? I got I got good stuff. No, he, so he had just come off an awesome year, if I recall, and it's my, like you said, freshman year, 2015 fall, like your freshman year in college. You're, you're just, just trying not to drown. You're just yeah, you're just like it's one of the best times in your life. Right. And so, uh, in walks this guy to finish a semester, Trey Mancini, and everyone's like, Trey's such a good guy. So Trey was actually there, my freshman fall. Um, him and a guy named Eric Jagler who was a first runner with the Yankees out of Notre Dame. So they came back together, roomed with each other, I think. And just, it was the best time. I mean, you're a freshman, you're hanging out with everybody on the team. You're just trying to soak it all up. And then he would hang out with the freshmen more than the seniors or whatever, you know, he just loved to have a good time with everybody. So he could not have been a better human being to us as freshmen. And 
yeah, he loves to go out, have a good time. At least he did back then. So it was, uh, uh, it was That's a lot so of fun. That's so cool. Just to have like yeah. one of the best players in like the last 30 and then, years of the program oh, just yeah. like around. And that, and then also, you know, he goes through all that stuff and yeah. fights cancer, beats it. I mean, it was just such a cool story. And to get to actually know him and like text him and like, you know, it was like one of the coolest. He's things. one of the best. He He's like one of the best. Bar none, one of the best people in baseball. Yeah. Uh, so you've had a, a pretty interesting kind of year this year yeah. where now you've settled into a point where you're going up against lefties. Like that's your job. Yeah. You're here to hit lefties and catch the ball in the outfit. Right? Yeah. Yeah. At what point did it kind of dawn on you that like you needed to kind of accept that specific role for the remainder of the season? Um, I think when everybody got healthy towards the end of the year, um, I mean, look at the guys out there, Casty, Schwarbs. Yeah. I mean, Marsh is phenomenal. Like it's, there's a lot of good players out there, you know? So right. it's, uh, I think us all as a team together collectively kind of bought into whatever Tom's needed us to do. And yeah, I think towards the end of the year, those la especially those last 10 games, it was mainly that and Cassianos was coming back and feeling better. And it was kind of like, okay, this is my role. I'm going to accept it. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm going to make the most of it and do whatever, whatever I can to help the team win. And right. We're here now. So there, you don't seem like you guys have a lot of me guys on the team. Yeah, like no, I very rarely do guys have the ass. Like people are yeah. pretty. Oh, well, we'll still get the ass, but just at each other, like brothers <laughs> fighting. But Oh, I see. So you you'll have I mean? the ass. At e For those of you yeah. listening, by the way, who don't know what that means, that is like a very inside baseball way to say grumpy. Yeah, <laughs> you're just you're just salty, grumpy, pissed off that day. It could be at someone or. You know, at the at, world, at the world, yeah, which does happen plenty. So, <laughs> yeah, have yeah. the ass at the world. Go ahead, Jordan. Uh, yeah. So we talked. Uh, we talked to Brandon Marsh earlier. You know, he came over via trade, and we were wondering, you know, who did he click with the fastest? I know, you know, you made your debut in 2021, but is there one guy on this team that you feel like you've clicked the most? He mentioned Nick Maton, who he's been living with. I don't know if you have a roommate on the team as well, but is there one player or teammate that you'd shout out and be like, yeah, that's my guy. I can get after him in for better or for worse. Uh, no yeah. Yeah. On, I mean, all of us young guys are so close. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Marshy lives with Maton. They're, they've started being like a really good friendship. Um, but like me, Maton and Guthrie came up, Dalton Guthrie came up together through the system. Um, Iron and, pigs for life. Baby. Yeah. Piggies, baby. Um, <laughs> oink, oink, oink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bomer's awesome. I would say like, I don't know if I can pick just one guy, but I would say like Guthrie, Maton, and Balmer. Those three guys I've come all the way up with. And I just, I mean, we've been, I mean, I live with Guthrie in like a cabin in the woods in AA, like $300 a month rent, just like grinding. <laughs> like outside of Reading? Right outside of Reading, like 25 minutes outside of Reading. There was like five of us in there. And we've been in some grindy spots. So oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, now we're in the World Series. I mean, it's, it's crazy, so it's. It's been a long road and dude, that's yeah, so guys. crucial. Like yeah. being in these moments with people that you genuinely like, because oh, yeah. there are teams in the league, like I'm not asking you to name names, but like there are teams in the league where guys don't like each other. Like you can overcome that and win a championship if you're good enough. Right. Yeah. But there is something about going to work every day and being around people who you consider your friends. A hundred percent. I mean, these guys are all, the guys I came up with and right. the guys that have come over have just clicked so well with everybody. It's you usually don't see that very yeah. often. So it's, it's really cool. What, what we got going on. It's, it's been amazing. And you talk about coming to work each day and like enjoying it. I mean, it's like the best time you guys so. fuck around 
more than <laughs> any major league team I've been around. And I mean that in a good way. Like, you get your work in and everything, but yeah. when you're out on the field, you enjoy the sport of baseball. And I find that to be incredibly refreshing because, like, dudes like us on the side, we watch it, we're like, I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves. Like, you have one oh, of the best yeah. jobs in the world, you know? Yeah. But in reality, you're not going to enjoy Like, some people don't enjoy it. Some people, yeah. teams don't mesh as well. But this team's been amazing with how we've come together. And, yeah, it's hard to find, like, a group of people or people that yeah. don't really click with each other on this team. Yeah. So. Uh, one more question for me is I want to ask you about Harper because we are all generally the same age. I think Jordan and I are, like, a year or two older than you. Yeah. But, like, when we were kids in high school – that Sports Illustrated cover was like iconic. Oh yeah, right. Like we all oh, yeah. remembered that. I remember that too. Yeah. And like yeah. the videos of him coming out, like he was the first dude our age. He was like the first internet baseball superstar. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And now you are like, you know, see, you see his butt every day, and like, <laughs> like it's true. At what point did that kind of dawn on you that I am waking up every day and going into work with this like generational talent who I grew up watching? And he's not even that much older than us. I know, it's the crazy part. part. Um, last year I came up, that's when I first kind of hit me, you know, you get your first taste of Major League Baseball, and it was, it, you know, you're around a bunch of superstars, JT, him, yeah. just these guys that, uh, like Wheels, Nola, like all these guys that are household names, and um, that was the first taste of it where I kind of was like, okay, you know, I'm playing with these guys and, you know, doing my best to compete with them and, and help the team win. So uh, last year I – really felt that but this year it's yeah he's just one of the guys it's awesome that's amazing yeah that, it's like cool that is so interesting how that develops because when you're 13 it's like holy shit that's bryce harper and now you're 26 yeah and it's like yeah this is bryce and there's <laughs> no moment along the way where that just flips right it's just like a day in day out of this becoming your life over time it, you you kind of get used to it right being around these guys and they're just one of the guys. But I, I went out to eat with some of my buddies in Miami, like a bunch of my high school friends yeah. and college friends. Like six of us were sitting there eating and and Harp and Sodder walk up. They're getting dinner because they're best yeah. buds. And um, my buddy and then they stopped and talked with us just like normal people. And <laughs> or Harp did and stopped and talked. And then my buddies were like, wow. And I'm, <laughs> right. and I'm, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it is pretty cool. For you, guys. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, that is. Wow. Yeah, you kind of get used. You kind of get used to it. But it's. These guys are awesome. They're just one yeah. of the guys, and and they just they love to do what we do too. Jordan, anything else before we let this man, uh, you know, try win a World Series? No, I I mean, yeah, I guess you could just be like, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm playing, I'm playing the outfield. This Bryce guy's over here DHing. I mean, geez, yeah, <laughs> lazy I'm ass. The reason, I, because I can catch. Don't the worry, ball. I got it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I got oh, it, Bryce. Hilarious. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, Matt Veerling, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Jordan, Mincy, thank you guys. Hey, see, this is why I like really. He calls me Mincy, which I, no one has called me Mincy in the last like six years, man. We are here with Philly's president of baseball operations, Dave Dabrowski. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. You're in the World Series again. It's uh, it's great. It never gets old, believe me. I hope that we can do this like the next five, six years. That'd be great. <laughs> All right, good. That was my first question. Does does it get old? I know these teams have been different, different players, different cities, but is there any part of it where you're like, oh man, I, I could have had an October off, but instead I'm back here at the World Series again? No, there's not one part of me that ever thinks that. I mean, it's amazing how your calendar, somebody was just asking me actually how I enjoyed my days off like the last couple of days. And I said, well, 
we don't have days off really it's a whole different schedule because i mean our a lot of clubs as you know have already start working towards next year and we've had some of those conversations ourselves internally but right after the world series two days if you go to game seven two days after that the general manager's meeting starts so you still have to be prepared for all those things taking place so compared to others that may be taking the days off there's not like quite me. the same Dave, when do you get to go on vacation? Like, when in the general manager's calendar do you get to spend three days on a beach? Well, the, really what I've learned throughout the years, if you want to get away, there's no 100% time right. where you're going to be away. But for me, the best time, and I have younger children that have developed now, they're 22 and 24. What we always used to go is between Christmas and New Year's. Mm. So if you're ever in a position where you're going to spend some time with your family and have a chance to get away, that would be it. So that's okay. when we always go. And in, in fact, that's when we're going again this year. We have something. Yeah. Spend Christmas time with Thanksgiving and Christmas time with one side of the family, my wife's or, or my side. And then that time we've always done things with our children. So, Jordan, everybody but Preller and DePoto takes that time off. <laughs> is, is well, usually well, I was going to say, you mentioned how some other teams have already gotten a jump on on free agency and, and thinking about those things. I mean, that's been so much of, of your success over the years. Are you itching? Like, is, is it hard to stop yourself and be like, oh, no, I can't think about that yet. <laughs> I have a World Series to try and help win here. No, it's not really hard because this is such a focus because I do know that I'll feel a lot better with four more wins than four more losses yeah. because that feeling is a lot different. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know yourself. I mean, I've got a pulse and you're working on it all really year long. And as you get near the end of the season, you're still focused on what your needs may be as an organization, what players may fit those needs, which organizations have those. So you put some of your own internal meetings finalization. Like, for example, normally we have those type of meetings before the general managers mm. where we bring all of our scouts into town and everybody in our front office with some of our coaching staff members. But we'll wait. We'll go to the general managers meetings, lay the foundation, then come back and have those meetings to be ready. But we'll, we'll be ready for them. Let me ask you about the designated hitter as a thing, right? So we have it this year in the National League for the first time. I'm curious, did it impact the way that you went about constructing the roster this past offseason? Was it because, you know, you look at the team and without the designated hitter, Bryce Harper maybe has surgery in May and we're not having this conversation right now. Sure. So I'm curious, last offseason, how vital was that to approaching the winter? Well, it was extremely important yeah. for us. I mean, first of all, we wouldn't have anticipated that Bryce was going to be our DH almost all year. We thought he'd be our right fielder. And right. the DH has been very helpful for us in that regard because he wouldn't be able. But we probably wouldn't have been able to sign Schwarber and Castellanos both. Yeah. We just There's no way we would have done it because we wouldn't have had room for to play both of them. So we would have had to identify one of them over the other at that particular time and make that type of signing. Yeah. So it really changed the way our club was put together a great deal. But this has allowed us to put that extra bat in our lineup right. that we wouldn't have been able to do if we didn't have the DA. It makes me laugh to think about the Phillies fans who loved pitchers hitting. Right. They don't exist anymore. There's no one in the city of Philadelphia clamoring for an Aaron Nola at bat where they get to see Bryce do it. Like, right. Like, yeah, I, I would say you're absolutely right about that. So it's a, but but really, yeah. I even though I've been in both leagues, yeah. I, I've been really more over the last time period, more of a fan of having the DH. Right. Because the, the pitchers have gotten to the point where. They don't haven't hit enough in their life. There, there's too many of them that are a threat to even get a hit. Yeah. And then you're worried every time they swing the bat or every time they run to 
they have to run the bases with almost all of them. I know there's a Madison Bumgarner type of guy and a Zach Ranky, but those are far and few in between. So I'd much rather see Harper yeah. hit than I would. Yeah. <laughs> would you rather see it. Bryce Harper change the trajectory of baseball with a home run to left field or uh, Ranger Suarez bunt in the sixth <laughs> inning yeah, in that's May? That's a pretty easy selection yeah. uh, when it comes down to exactly. it. Exactly. Especially in the World Series, right? It's one thing in the regular season when you have pitchers taking at bats and now you get to the World Series and you have National League hitters trying to, pitchers trying to hit it was so goofy it's so goofy to watch i just i'm just I, we don't miss it yeah no, no i don't at all miss it and I, and I remember and i would you know of course consider myself a baseball you know traditionalist because i've been around the game so long and then when it first came in i really wasn't an advocate of the the dh but over time period i really and and i do think from a fan perspective most fans prefer run scored the pitcher oh, yeah. tools. Yep. Most of oh, them yeah. want to see run score. So, I mean, you're going to score a lot more runs with the DH than you are with the pitchers hitting. My, my last question for you, Dave, is uh, Bryce Harper. He has been such a big part of this team, and I, and I know you weren't necessarily there when they signed him, but you've had the opportunity to have so many generational talents on your teams over the year, over the years. What is different about him, watching him, this type of player he is, and, and that you've certainly experienced over these last few weeks? Well, he, he is just, first of all, the talent level that he possesses. Very few people possess that type of talent. I mean, there's they're far and few in between. They're the superstar type players, and, and he is that. The second thing about him is that he is so driven to be successful. And I think for him, part of that deals with the expectations of being in a position where he's been like that since he's been a youngster. So for him... As has been explained, unless he was the 1-1 pick in the Major League Draft, it was a disappointment. Yeah. Well, how many people can you say that about? I mean, I draft, being drafted third is pretty good, right? But he was supposed to be 1-1 since he was 11 or 12 years old. And so he, and he has taken on those expectations, and it drives him. And sometimes I think probably for his own sake, I mean, you wish that he, for his own enjoyment, could take a step right. back from that and just say, enjoy the moment and i have a feeling if we win this thing he'll enjoy the moment but yeah. i do think it's that there are very few people that have that type of pressure on them i think you know being around your team the last month or so he i have seen him have some of those moments where in a lot of ways he did not have a typical childhood right Correct. in the same way that you and i did where we could like run around and you know be stupid right That's he, right. That's he right. didn't have that same ability and i have this moment in my mind just kind of kind of seared into it of him jumping up and down, singing to dancing on my own, where he never had that opportunity in college or in high, he didn't go to college, right? Like he didn't have that. And now in this, at 30, he's finally getting to have baseball be something that is joyful. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And I think part of that, and of course not living with him uh, when he was growing up, but knowing that that type of expectation exists. Right. But I think also too, that's the, that's the beauty of winning. Mm. Because the winning aspect of it takes all that individual stuff off your back. Right. And um, I remember, you know, I when I was in Detroit, I talked to Kirk Gibson, and he was the ultimate warrior, and he hit that famous home run. But he always used to tell me all year long, but when you get to the postseason, you can strike out four times, right? But if you win the game, that's what's really important. Right. And so winning that ultimate championship, or you strike out four times in that fifth time up, you get a base hit to win the game. Right. And, and it means so much more when it gets to the postseason and winning 
than maybe during the regular season where the expectations are just greater. What was your first memory of Bryce? Because you were with the Tigers in, oh, it was like 08, 09 when you, everyone was scouting him. And at the time, you guys were having a lot of success. So I'm sure at no point you ever envisioned no. having the opportunity to draft him. Did you ever get to see him in person or like when he was in junior college? Or no, I, I did not because we didn't have that type, knew we didn't have yeah. that type of chance. So really for me, of course, you, everybody knew about him. Right. But I think for me, it was that youngster showing up at 19 years of age and seeing the highlights and the flamboyant yeah. young individual that had this oozing talent for him, but also yeah. was just a dynamic figure. Oh you could God. just see it. So, I mean, that was really my first type of the way I envisioned him and saw him. Because like for me and, and Jordan, we grew up in the D.C. area. We're 27. OK, so like we're 15 years old, 14 years old. And the Sports Illustrated article comes out and it's like the first person generally our age who's baseball famous and he has for kids of our gen like he has grown up with us and like to see him here with a beard the size of a, a rosemary bush you know like it is very striking to see the development that he's had over the years yes well I, i'm sure i mean you see it in a different way but it but that's yeah. what makes the game fun right and I, I i really do think which is great for the game of baseball and they talk about it but having bryce harper and I don't mean to downplay the rest of the Philadelphia yeah, Phillies because, of it, but having that type of figure and that type of personality in the World Series is great for the game of baseball, yeah. and and people want to see this type of player play, and I think it's great for the game, and 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 it wouldn't surprise me if he rose to the occasion, did the same thing in the World Series that he did in uh, the LCS. That's how he. Is. I was going to say it's also great for you, uh, president of the Phillies, because he's on your team, <laughs> and that is yeah, no question, pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, Dave, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. This was an absolute blast, and uh, good luck in the World Series again. Thank you, appreciate. It. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. All right, we are here with Philadelphia Phillies beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Alex Coffey, one of our favorite people in all of baseball. Hello, Alex. How are you? Good. Good. Running on fumes. <laughs> one of our favorite people? I what? mean, Alex is great, but that's like, <laughs> that's high praise. Hey. You don't think I deserve no, that I'm praise? No, I'm kidding. Alex, Alex, is, <laughs> Alex is spectacular. Alex, uh, right. Alex, Alex, you, Alex sorry, you just said you're running on fumes <laughs> as yeah, uh, we I see am. our good friend Brandon Marsh. Uh, running on fumes. Alex, the, the World Series hasn't even started. I mean, you're already, uh, we're already, you got a long way to go here. I mean, we got to find yeah, I know, some, some extra I know. energy. I'm not, the end is not in sight, um, but I'll find it somewhere. Caffeine. Okay, so it's yeah. your first year yeah. on the beat and you're already here in the World Series. Has that like sunk in on a personal no. level that you are getting to do the whole shebang no. immediately? No, I don't think that the firing of Joe Girardi has sunk in yet and that happened in June. <laughs> So, uh, no, I haven't processed any of this yet. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, we can, we can joke about just how, how crazy this ride is, but I'm curious just right as a media member and, you know, you, you look on the other side and the Astros media crew, I mean, this is just casual stuff. I mean, we're doing right. this every year. We're, we're, of course we're doing stuff in October. So when during this season, and I know that this postseason ride since it started has been kind of an incredible thing to watch. When during the regular season, certainly long after Girardi was gone, were you like, maybe this team has something that could push them even to a second round of the postseason? Forget the World Series. I know that was not necessarily on your radar. Yeah. But was there a turning point for you when you were like, they actually might have something here? I mean, I think you look at their comp. They've had a ton of comfort behind wins and they're not comfort behind wins that are like 
you know, a walk-off home run from Bryce or a walk-off home run from Kyle Schwarber. It's like Garrett Stubbs hits his first career home run for a walk-off home run. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, things like that. And then, like, um, Alec Bohm and Matt Vierling breaking Josh Hader for a little bit. Like, that was another one. Um, Bryson Stott had another had a walk-off home run. Like, a lot of the guys that were stepping up were their, their depth guys or their younger guys, like people that you wouldn't expect. And depth is something that this team has lacked for a long time. So I think um, those moments, like, you know, gave you confidence. But obviously, as you guys have seen, this team is like a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> I'm, I'm trapped in a glass case of emotions all the time. <laughs> but the funny thing is, like, you're, so for you, it's like they've been doing oh, dumb shit all year. Yeah. Like, they've been doing irrational, bizarre stuff. They've just stopped doing the bad stuff over the last three yeah. weeks. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. Enough. It's yeah. not like they're the greatest defensive team of all time. Yeah. But they are. They don't let it spiral. That's the difference. Is they don't let it spiral. Like we've seen defensive misplays during this postseason run, but they don't let it like, you know, like turn into something. Yeah. Bigger. So Um, I think that that's a big difference. So Alex, you you're we we enjoy your work. You are good at, at writing words. Bryce Harper has now forced us to come up with all kinds of different descriptors for the kinds of things that he's doing on the field. When you're yeah. sitting in the press box and you're watching Bryce Harper do what he's done over these last few weeks, are you <laughs> struggling to be like, what What am I witnessing here? How am I supposed to totally capture what is happening uh, in front of me? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I think you <laughs> run out of adjectives after a while. Um, I mean, one thing that I guess isn't really being mentioned as much is that he's DHing because he's injured technically. Um, you know, he's probably going to have to address that this off season. So, you know, the fact that he's doing what he's doing, putting up a historic postseason, and he's injured is like crazy. Um, have you had to use a thesaurus for him? <laughs> Be honest. Like I, you know, I've been writing a lot more now and I will admit that at certain times I do go to thesaurus.com. Yeah. Yeah. I know that maybe that's looked at. Have you had to use a thesaurus for Bryce over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, you want to use words that are like, that people know, you know, you don't want to mm. um, make it too jargony and like. You want to use words that Bryce Harper would know <laughs> himself, right? Like you don't want to talk past, no offense to Bryce, like I'm sure he's like ve- relatively s- mm. smart, Yeah. but he did not go to college. And so mm. there are probably you know, words in he, the depths of the he didn't, thesaurus. He didn't go that, to 11th grade. I think he grade. went to junior college. <laughs> yeah, didn't he? Didn't say. he go to JUCO? Yes, he went to JUCO. I can't imagine he was in <laughs> class yeah. all that much in JUCO. He didn't go for the education, Alex. That's why you go. That's why you go to <laughs> JUCO, right, as a baseball player. Uh, you, you mentioned, too, uh, right, he's been he's been injured. I, I actually, I mean, I've, I've seen this, this mentioned. Is is like Tommy John on the horizon for Bryce? Like, do we know exactly? No, I know, know Phillies fans don't care right now. But, no, <laughs> but okay, so you don't know. I, I haven't missed anything. We don't know, any. okay. but I mean, the fact that it can't that they've had this long postseason run and mm-hmm. they can't address it like now <laughs> makes me think that it might impact how soon he's able to get back. You know, uh, that's fine. A couple Spring more questions for you. Yeah. Uh, game four hmm. of this series is a problem for the Philadelphia Phillies because the Astros have 83 good pitchers and the Phillies have like six. Can they, two questions, can they win game four? And if they don't, can they win the series without winning game four? I mean, obviously mathematically they can, but like, are they good enough to do that? I mean, what I'll say is like, 
They won a bullpen game in their last series. You know, like they've done all these things that we didn't expect them to be able to do. And that's it seems true. like every and I know that that's kind of a cop out answer, but I'm not I'm I'm not a betting person to be transparent, but I would not bet against them because they've been able to surpass every expectation so far. So, you know, what's the hardest you've laughed over the last three and a half weeks? It has been a particularly joyful experience covering this team. Yeah. I think they make it relatively easy, the players on this team, yeah. to make it enjoyable to be around. Is there a moment that stands out to you where you just, just laughed your ass off? Um, I can think of one during the regular season that comes to mind, okay. if that's okay. Like, uh, Actually, there are two. Like Both in involve Jose Alvarado. One was... Okay. Um, a ball came like flying back at him, like a really hard hit liner, and he just like turned around and stopped it with his butt. With his butt? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And on like, the mound? Yeah, on the mound. Like flipped around, like fielded it, and then threw it to first base, and it was an out. I mean, that's no gold, strength, gold right? ass award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I think that's... that was in San Diego. Yeah. Ooh, okay. We'll um, and then the second replay. one was like, there was a pop fly and like he was trying to field it and he missed it by like 20 feet and Bohm <laughs> caught it. But he was like waving everyone off. He was like, I've got it. I've got it. And Bohm was like, no, you don't. <laughs> I've seen that. I remember that play. I remember that play. That yeah. was great. Yeah. yeah Alvarado was is like 30 is, or 20 he, or 30 feet. He's really got it. He, he knows his yeah. strengths. He knows I can't field. So I'm just going to turn around and use my, my big butt. Um, my cake. <laughs> right. Exactly. Golden cake award. Gold cake award. Uh, Alex. We really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes yeah. to uh, hang sure out with us. I provided some real insight here. No, you did. You provided the insight <laughs> that we need. Uh, before we go, uh, who wins the World Series and, and how many games? Uh, I hate predictions, but... Uh, okay, then don't. Then predict something else. Don't predict who wins. Give me something completely irrelevant. Who's midterms. Think no. <laughs> the midterms. <laughs> midterms? Just, you can right. just be like, who's going to sign Brandon Nimmo? You could just predict that if you want. Like, Fetterman and Oz. How many games? <laughs> Fetterman and six. <laughs> Fetterman and six. That's my prediction. <laughs> All right. That's Alex Coffey's prediction. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Lindsay Rhodes, host of the NFL Roadshow, a Sirius XM podcast, inviting you to join me three, yes, three times a week for NFL analysis that goes beyond the low-hanging fruit. On Mondays, we react to the biggest stories of the NFL weekend. On Wednesdays, we pick one topic to really dig in on. And on Fridays, I'll give you all the fantasy football advice you need in just 15 minutes. We call it the Fantasy 15. Download new episodes of the NFL Roadshow right now on the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are here with Astros reliever Ryan Stanek. Ryan, it's so good to see you as always. And uh, here you are in the World Series once again. I remember last year we talked to you at the World Series. We talked to you a lot about your hair. This time, I think we're going to talk about baseball. Is that okay? That's cool. Yeah, it seems seems uh, seems fair. So earlier I congratulated you for uh, a season in which your ERA started with a one. And you responded to me and you said, that's too high. It should it start with zero. a zero. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to ever give up a run. Ever. Like, whoever wants to give up a run. That's, that's not stupid. Me. Yeah. Why would you ever want to give up a run? But I'm curious about like seeing your ERA as a reliever and the first number of your ERA and how that makes you feel as a reliever. Right. You have been across the board. I'm sure you've seen the ERA start with a five, four, three, two and one. At the end of a season, if it starts with a two, are we happy? I mean, yeah. I mean, you, I feel like 
you ask anybody at the start of the year, it's like, hey, if you had a two, would you feel good about it? I'm like, I don't think there's any right. person on on a roster that would go, nah, that sucks. Right. But right. you're like, like, you obviously never want to give up a run, but right. then you're like, realism sets in. You're like, yeah, no, that'd be a, that'd be a really good year. So yeah, yeah. What like one is sick? You know, there's only one qualified reliever with a lower ERA than you during the regular season. Do you know who it is? Yeah, I'd heard. I'd seen it. Okay. Uh, Evan Phillips for the Dodgers. But, like only, but by point one, right? By point oh one, right? So yeah. I don't know. I mean, you only had seven outings this year. Or sorry, only six outings this year where you allowed a run out of sixty one. So you were you were, <laughs> you know, coming off the mound happy a lot of the time. A lot of the time. Now you had a good season last year. Was there something different this year where you're like, Oh, I figured this out. Now I can now my ear I can start with a one instead of a two or a three. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like I executed well this year. And I think, like you guys know, like being a reliever is, is kind of fickle. Like, obviously, you have to throw the ball good. That's, that's like, paramount. But also, like, you have to have a little bit of luck on your side. Like, I think this, the, the difference between, like, I don't know, maybe like a, a four and a five is, like, just – pitching well and pitching better you know what i mean and then like the difference between like a three and a four is like some like striking guys out some more. striking yeah. guys out more and then like you the, the further down it's like at some point it gets to be like all right like situationally some things had gone like you're probably your way like mm-hmm. regardless like relieving like one one bad day one one f- slam like will ruin a yeah. year if, if, if like at that point so you're sitting there like okay well how do you mitigate mitigate damage and like eliminate like the the big crooked numbers and i think that's that right there limiting the crooked numbers was like something that i did like very well this year just like limiting right. damage like and, and as a reliever that's all you can do is like limit damage and, and hope for the best but the other thing is like i think that helps the the final number is how dope the whole bullpen is <laughs> because sure. like if you come into a game with a clean inning and you go out bloop out walk the chances are the Astros bullpen is going to strand your runs Mm -hmm. instead of like on a in a previous year where those just become your runs Mm -hmm. that touch home plate right like that's a big part of it for sure honestly like in oh I don't remember what exact day it was but it was the last day we played in Baltimore I'd been throwing the ball really good. It was like the last day, I, I think the last day I gave up a run and it was like, I got the first guy out, um, backside single, uh, walk, and then um, it might've been, a, it might've been two backside singles and then a walk. And I ended up with a base loaded with two outs and I got pulled and Abreu came in and faced Mullins at the top of the lineup and came in and saved saved me, which right. is like, like right. that's like I think those are the, the times where you're like you got to get a little bit fortunate, but also like fortune favors like preparation and like we have a lot of guys that are very prepared and very like on it with obviously good stuff and, and ability to execute in situations. So like, yeah, there's a little bit of luck, but it's also like your teammates pick you up and like there have been times where the situation has been reversed guys have left runners on and, and I you, come in you, and you go them. take so, up yeah, yeah so it's like it's very much you pat like our bullpen is very proud of the fact that like we take care of our own and like you you, you help help your boys out which 
matters. And it helps. Yeah. It obviously helps in the final the final season line. So Jordan, you want to ask about the bullpen? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned you know the preparation and the execution, whatever. But let's talk about the pure stuff because there's some nasty shit going on down there, and it's a, it's a huge variety. Like, is there's almost every kind of pitch, right? You've got the splitters, you've got the changeups, you've got crazy sliders, crazy curveballs, crazy four seamers, right? Like you have. So, is there one pitch that you're especially jealous of of your teammates in the bullpen that you're like, I would love to have that. That would be great. I mean, there's a lot of them, honestly, because there's there's so many there's so many good weapons, and it's not not just in the in the bullpen. Like, hell, I would love to have Framber sinker. That'd be nasty. <laughs> that pitch is ridiculous. Or uh-huh. or uh, Lance's sweeping like sweeper, like mm-hmm. that's gross. Like, and then you get into the bullpen or Javi. Like, I have a good fastball, but Javi has just an absolute unicorn of a fastball. And like, just like their guys throughout the list, like. Like the ability for Hector and Rafi to throw like good sinkers and good fours, like throw them both well, and right. then like it's just like the combination of all the things. Like obviously Abreu's off-speed pitches are disgusting, so it's like you do, there's, everybody does something special. Like, and I, I think yeah. that's what one thing we realize is like if you if you don't have something like that, you're probably not. <laughs> you're not gonna be here. Well, yeah, you're not gonna be in our in our bullpen because like there's like like the one thing that I feel like our front office does really well is identify like good stuff that will play and that's how they kind of like right. build build a staff so i'm curious about it like okay so like hunter brown shows up yeah okay like I, i'm not exactly sure when he shows up but at some point during the year september. september he shows up and so this guy shows up and so you guys are like this guy's gotta have something fucking crazy <laughs> like this guy must have if they brought him up here in this spot he must have something nuts and he okay. does yeah. right Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. All of his stuff is good. I mean, he's not like a ninety-five on our slider, and but you're looking at it, and the the I think the craziest part about it is, like, for him to come up, we optioned a dude with a two, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like Seth, Seth Martinez, who is nasty. We optioned a guy with a two for, for a, a rookie to, for a guy to make his debut. Like right. that, that that has to say something. And obviously the makeup in his stuff is not really like, like normal. Yeah, not normal, and it's not it's not it's not it's a like undeniable like skill set. So you're sitting there going like, okay, like I get it, like everybody understands. It's just like it's unfortunate that a guy that's I know performed so well has to go, but like you 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 see the stuff, and it's hard to like it's hard to argue. These are good problems for yeah, a team to have, right? For like sure. it, that's a tough conversation, but you know it is part of what makes the bullpen so like watching it from afar, undeniable. It is an undeniably elite group of pitchers and you guys carry yourself that way. And it's like, I'm sure you've been in bad bullpen, like in the oh, minors, sure. growing, like <laughs> you've sure. been in bad bullpens. How is the vibe different when you're like in a shitty bullpen versus when you're in like one of the greatest, most dominant, you know, reliever groups of all time? I think it's just like the faith and everybody from one through eight to get the job done. Like there's not, there's not one situation or one guy where you're going, Oh, this guy, like, it's not like that. You're sitting there like, it's like, I've only pitched twice in the playoffs, but like, you're looking at it. I'm like, why? Like, I'm not like never going to complain. Cause like everybody's getting out. So yeah, it's like, it's like, where, where is, where's the complaint? You're like, yeah. yeah, At some point you're like, no, it's like, just be ready. You be ready whenever Mm. your name is called and then things are fine. And, Somebody somebody said this earlier this year, and like the the problem, or not the problem, but like the 
I guess it's kind of a problem, but like good teams have starters that don't play for them. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like good teams mm-hmm. have starters that have to be utility men, have to come up and clean up innings, have to come in and right. throw other innings, and that would be closers, would be starting shortstop, starting third baseman, starting center fielders, left fielders, starting pitchers that are in the bullpen. You got big league arms in AAA. Like like thing like good teams have depth that would be starters on other teams because that's how you make a good team. You don't and win a you don't win 106 games or whatever with your best nine. No. You win it with your best 36, 35. 35, 35 right? 30, like, yeah, whatever, whatever the number is. Yeah. You win it because you have depth and you Yeah. If you have an injury, yeah, you might not get the same production as option A, but the fact is like you look at it is option B is as good as most other area other teams option right a or option b you're looking mm-hmm. at it going all right well our replacement play like the repl- the replacement for the hurt guy is as good as an everyday regular for right. another team and you're like that's how you win a lot of games like and you don't need to respond to this but jordan like the example of that is like hunter brown's starting game four for the phillies <laughs> if oh, yeah. team, right yeah. like that's yeah. part of the thing there is like yeah. the astros seventh option right and well, let, let alone like let alone right. Luis Garcia or Kidi, right? I mean, it just goes on and on. And this is a good transition to the last thing I want to ask you about, which is the 18-inning game. And I'm not just saying this as, as you know, a sad Mariners fan. I'm saying this as someone who watched <laughs> all six hours and was just like, oh, yeah, no, they're never going to give up a run. Like, it, there's, it doesn't matter <laughs> who's going to come in. So you pitched the 11th, I believe. So you contributed to that. Now, you, you're out in the bullpen for at least, you know, seven, eight innings. And then where are you for the rest of the game? Are you front uh, front top seven of the dugout? Are you in the clubhouse? Uh, how did you experience after your inning the the remainder of that marathon? I was all over the place, honestly. <laughs> I was back and forth from the dugout to the clubhouse. I was like every inning trying to change an article of clothing to hopefully coax in a run. But yeah, like it's like just just all the guys were sitting there just like obviously you know how how that goes. Like you're sitting there just like making things up, hoping for like right. a run. So you just sit there, you're like, Well, I'm gonna change my hat and I'm like I think Mashinsky was wearing like one of my shirts and you're sitting there like trading gear to like try to get a run. Like it's it's just like it's stupid, but you're like, Oh, that's like whatever you can do. It's like I'm already done. I cannot go back and play. So like this is maybe right. my way to affect the, <laughs> the game. The other funny thing for, for you is like that's the most time you've ever spent in a dugout. Oh no, I in started, a big league I started a bunch of games. Okay, yeah, I yeah. guess we oh yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. In Tampa, in Tampa. But <laughs> yeah. here, in oh, here that's sure, like here. the most time you'd spent in the Astros dugout. Oh, easily, for sure. Right? For sure. <laughs> and although I think the ridiculous thing about it is like you looked at that and I think Luis when the game ended had like what, 65 pitches? So he probably had another 35 pitches. So he had two innings. Oh, he could have kept going. He could have kept going. And then sure. we also had 100, and 100 pitches from Urquidy next. So it's like we had maybe another 10, 11 innings to go before like, we no, were out of all. This is the thing. That's how I felt watching it. I was like, oh, well, here comes Garcia. But like they're not they're not done here. Like they can keep going. We you know. Hunting. And and poor Penn Murphy goes out there and, you know, he, he did his best. But at some point, an Astros hitter is going to hit it over the fence. I mean, that's pretty much how that's going to work. But, I mean, dude, I mean, Murphy Murphy threw the ball really well he against did, yes. all year. And he threw the ball, ball well against them. Of I course. Mean, like, they're, like, they're, 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 like, their pin is good. Like, they threw, really good. they threw the ball really good, dude. Just That was just, like, in those games, we talked about it, obviously, watching the Cleveland-Tampa mm-hmm. um, oh, Tampa game. Mm-hmm. Like, at some point, like, when those games happen, like, 
like the the pitching is almost it's like a running back in football like they're running downhill like at all <laughs> at all times like, the, like seriously the pitching staffs are like getting to the point where like they're rolling downhill and mm-hmm. like they have the advantage and the, obviously the hitters are in at bat seven so they're getting worn down they've been on their feet a they're long exhausted time. yeah so like it's like the pitchers are still fairly fresh but they're also like running downhill <laughs> while the offense is trying to like catch a breath so like those games like end up that long like if, if if a team doesn't score i feel like in those type of games in like the right 11th 12th it's over then it could be yeah. 16 17 innings and <laughs> then at some point it's going to be one swing that ends it it's not right. most teams aren't gonna like i feel like in those games you're not gonna string together four hits five hits to score two runs it's it's a solo pump that like ends the game most of the time the mariners had one guy on third base and it was the second inning <laughs> so like i, I mean it, that. that's wild yeah like it was but i mean the astros i think had three or four you know before before pena so it was it was crazy were you in the dugout for the for the pena homer or, or were you in the bathroom or <laughs> i was actually in the clubhouse but as soon as it, like we were like i like i was like getting ready to walk down and i like down and i heard everybody go crazy and i looked up at the tv and it was like obviously it's on like a, mm-hmm. a 12 second delay mm-hmm. so it's like i heard that like our dugout get get loud and i was like oh he probably hit like a double and then i wa- <laughs> I watched him hit it and i go oh damn and i'm like that's not a double yeah and i sprinted to the dugout and like yeah it was just like i think it was just one of those like crazy moments that you're like man i wish i wish like like I don't know. I wish I could have like been out there for the entire at bat because like I literally just went up to like pee or something. I don't even really remember what I right. was doing. I was coming back and I was like, "Oh damn, that happened." But like Ryan's you said, can't hold his piss in. You heard it here first. Uh, here's <laughs> so, whoa, whoa, innings, whoa, hey, here's here's my question though. Okay, so the celebration after that. Okay, now in my mind, like when I go for like a six hour bike ride. Which I have done many times because I'm because I can't do what you do, and then I have one beer, I'm sauced because like I'm so you dehydrated. No in your body. Right, I've like sweated out all this energy. So for you, it's a little bit different because you you know what I mean you just threw one inning. But the idea of like Chaz or Pena or Altuve playing six and a half hours of dehydrating, grueling, draining baseball. Oh yeah, or like. The fucking catchers. Well, yeah, then, like, like they... Raleigh caught the whole game, and like, we, like we were like we were laughing. It's like Vasky didn't start, but he caught a full game. Like they both, did. both both sides, both catchers caught a full game that we had. It was like like that's that's crazy. And uh, so was that. My question is like, was that celebration in any way wilder than other ones you'd been in because everyone was just so dehydrated? Like, I mean, did it hit different? I don't know, because like. You just lose. Do you just lose it in in that moment? Like you're just in there, and it's just a blur. I feel like our our celebration to go to the CS was a little bit more subdued, mm. partially because I think the game was game was long, but also like our guys aren't like weren't gonna be satisfied with of course, going to yeah, the yeah. DS. So like I think our guys are like, no, we're gonna like it's like like we know we're gonna have to play and and like get after it to win, but like like if we win this this is just step one like that's that's like that i feel like that's how like the team looked at it so you're like we have to we have to win at that point we after the third win we have like we have eight more wins like that's how what was what we're trying to get to uh every guest we've had on we uh, asked for their world series prediction so let me ask you ryan static who do you think is going to win the world series 
Who, if you had to pick one of these two teams, who do you think is going to win? It's the Astros and Phillies pick, are the two teams in it. Yeah, The Astros are playing the Phillies. Who do you think is going to oh take this God. one home? Obviously. Like, you, obviously what? Obviously, I'm going to, like, I would pick us. You would pick, you would pick who's us? You us. pick the Astros? Us. All right. Why, wow. Why, yeah, you, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're on the team and you didn't pick your team, like, what is wrong with you? Like. <laughs> All right, guys, you heard it here first. Ryan Stenick picks the Astros. He's, he's okay. picking to win get the out, World Series. Wow, Joe Namath. Get out of here with that. <laughs> You're get good. Thank you, Mr. Stanick. A pleasure as always. <laughs> Thank you, fellas. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, we are now very lucky to be joined by Jet himself. Jet Passin, welcome. It is not Jet season quite yet. People are Mm-mm. still t- taking your your tweets seriously and not uh, making sure there is a blue check mark next to it. We'll save the offseason chatter for a few more weeks. Jeff, it's the World Series. It's the Astros and the Phillies. What is the most surprising thing about what you are looking out upon uh, right now at Minute Maid Park? What are you most surprised about? The Philadelphia Phillies being here? <laughs> What is he going to say? He's surprised by the Astros? <laughs> like, okay, good. That's like a good place the, to start. Where, like where does the, it register? Like the, the Jeff, 12 seed? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, you've seen, you've seen some crazy shit in your day. You've been writing about baseball for a long time. I mean, where does this run really rank? Like, there has been some crazy moments, but it's not like they don't have some amazing baseball players. I mean, this isn't exactly a ragtag group. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it is surprising for me, too. But, you know, how do you really, you know, rank it? I think the surprise is reconciling the fact that they're really not a ton different than these mid-ass Phillies teams that have existed for like the last three years. Like essentially the whole Bryce Harper era has just been one constant stream of mid and, and suddenly in one month they turn into world beaters. Mm -hmm. Um, Baseball is awesome. It's also really, really stupid. Uh, as evidenced by this run. And you're right that, like, the the narrative of them hey, being did under- you know that Tina EK23 oh, liked your on. post? You can't be looking at my at my <laughs> notifications here. I'm I can't a- help myself. I just heard the bling. And, and all of a sudden, when you hear that noise, it's Pavlovian that, that you go, look, hold on. Oh, yeah. I'm turning on silent. Up. Jeff hears that noise, and he's like, oh, I guess Judge is going to the Giants. Um, okay. Oh, God, I hope it's not Rosenthal. Oh. Uh, let me ask you about that, Astros. Um, Can I talk a little more about the Phillies, actually? Yeah, because ahead. when teams like the Phillies, and I know the Braves were a little different last year because they were really banged up. You know, they, they were probably a true 95-win team, that won 88 games. Now the Phillies are like a... 87-win team. They've got flaws. They've got a bad defense. They've got a really thin bullpen. The depth of their starting rotation isn't great. They might, though, be built for a one-month run where you have some extra off days and where when you have superstars, they can handle the elite pitching that exists a whole lot better than during the regular season where you know certain teams are beating up on guys because they're not very good. The Phillies have guys who can hit elite pitching, and that is what I am most looking forward to in this series. There's so much elite pitching right now. It is ridiculous. The The guys I talked to today, I'm doing a story about it. Just the number of 98 to 100 mile per hour fastballs that exist in this series is more than anything I've ever seen in yeah. any series. Do you, you're in uh, Philly for game three, and then you 
hopped on the Amtrak, I presume, and went up to New York for the funerals uh, for game three and four. Do you regret that you either opted for or were assigned to cover the Yankees capitulation instead of the most iconic home run of the decade? Like, it, I, I know that you are like, this is your job, right? I get that. It's our job, too. But was there any part of you that was like, damn, I wish I had like been in the yard to see that home run? Sure. But I've seen some really cool shit in my days. <laughs> true. So I try not to get. There's no FOMO. No. Okay. I, I don't get greedy. I like in 2004, I was covering the, the Cardinals and Astros. That was a good series. It was an incredible it was series. It was an incredible series, and it was the B series. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I I, I, I don't look back on missing. Okay. You know what I look back on with regret? There's one thing in my baseball writing career I look back on with regret. And there's more than one. <laughs> there's got to be more than one. No, but, 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 Jeff, something is coming to mind. And so I'm excited yeah. to find out what it is. Marley Rivera is coming to mind. Hi, Jordan. Wow. Hi, that was sultry. <laughs> yeah, was... I'm getting out of this very important conversation. Super important. <laughs> well, 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 yeah. Okay, what... This is what a cliffhanger. Okay, Jeff, what is it? I was there the day that Pedro Martinez said that uh, he did the Yankees call me daddy. Yeah. And I thought there is no way that he actually said that. And I totally misheard it. And no chance he would ever utter a quote like that because what athlete would ever right. say that? And I didn't put it in my story. And you missed it. You had the, I daddy. Had the daddy. I had the daddy quote. Your daddy left you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Fasson's daddy <laughs> left him. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, the Houston Astros, the ballpark that we are sitting in, which has in many ways come to symbolize the month of October. Nothing says autumn like a train full of fucking oranges. Um, this is an annual tradition now. <laughs> it's actually going right now. It's moving right it's now in front of us. transporting the oranges 500 feet back and forth. It's it's nothing like the Astros, right? It, it, it is, it's so symbolic to me, this stupid fucking train. It never moves. It never changes. Just like this player development dab. Uh, what is different about the 2022 Astros run compared to the last half decade that we? Yeah, seen? the 17, the 19, yeah. the 21. What stands out to you about this? Uh, bullpen number one. Um, starting pitching depth number two, and this is I, I wrote a column about this after they won the series. And it's a it's a weird thing to me for somebody to make a mistake, get blowback on the mistake, and then turn the blowback from that mistake into something that makes them stronger and better. It's almost like, wait, so you get to screw up and benefit from that screw up, but it's the reality of human nature that the Astros have taken all of the vitriol that goes toward them. And I truly believe they are a mentally stronger group of players because of that. Uh, it, it reminds me in a, a little way about the first year. I know these are different things, but in the first year that the Miami Heat got 
Chris Bosh, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade together. And they were cast as villains. They, they were not at their best. They couldn't be. They needed to figure out what world they could exist in comfortably to extract the best out of themselves. And I think what we're seeing with the 2022 Astros is a group that has figured out where it lives, both in history and in the present. Because the 2020 team, they were doing this shit too, right? Like when they tried to come back against Tampa. Yep. But it rang hollow, I think, because they were, they were. it felt very defensive, right, Jordan? Like at the time, mm-hmm. they were trying to use the vitriol to push them forward, but it just didn't. It was like, shut up, like, we don't need this. But now it, it feels more purposeful. Yeah, and I would say, like, it really felt like Correa was the face of that. And I, I know that he, like, he took it on. He took, I felt like, the most kind of aggressive pushback. Not that he was saying we didn't do it. But he was just like, yeah, you know, like, I know you all hate me right now, and I'm just going to go <laughs> go forward and try to try to do my thing. And... But that because, never works, by the way. Well, right. <laughs> but then they he leaves, and then not that that's why they're different. Um, but it is a funny contrast too. Now watching, you know, the most like nicest and lovable person ever in Jeremy Pena, basically be ninety five percent as good immediately. <laughs> so, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Jose Altuve when you said <laughs> the nicest and most lovable person because he actually is. Sure. That, like, no, I, I've never I said a word to him in my life, and nor has he said a word to me. Really? And so, I, yeah, I just, not like out of any sort of disrespect, I just have not ever interacted with him. So I cannot confirm nor deny he is, Altuve. He is a genuinely wonderful human being, like to his teammates, family, people in the community, like legitimately beloved. Mm. I was talking with Garrett Cole for the uh, Aaron Judge story I just wrote. He's like the only teammate... I've ever seen who cares as much about people as Aaron Judge as Jose Altuve. Interesting. And and so I uh, it's it's a cognitive dissonance for me seeing Altuve get crushed like he yeah. does on the road because number 1 um you know everyone on that team had some culpability involvement whatever but if we're going to look at you know felony versus misdemeanor Altuve used the trash can bang the least of mm-hmm. anyone mm-hmm. like he, he right. just he just that that wasn't something that he was involved in and the the buzzer stuff i haven't found it evan Drellick hasn't found it <laughs> Andy martino hasn't found it <laughs> might exist jordan hasn't found it either. i haven't i've Jake? been working i've been working real hard jordan's on been <laughs> Jordan's been scribing it up. Jordan's <laughs> been muckraking up a That's story. I was going to say, I think, I think last time I, I was on with you guys, uh, you weren't writers. No, and, we were just shitheads. And, and now, well, I mean, you know, that, <laughs> that part hasn't changed. We're no los dos, El Jefe. Uh, here, here's my last question for you, Jeff. Here's my last question for you. Any casual-ish human being in regards to baseball will see the words Houston Astros for the rest of their lives, probably, and think about trash cans. And that is a fact. And and yeah. history might change some of that. But like people that we went to high school with who don't watch baseball, that is the association that they make. And like fair or not, that is where this will be. Right. And a lot of that is because of how it's burst into the greater consciousness and the hilarity of it being, uh, you know, trash can. Yeah, it's very silly. Where are you? in mentally like with this whole 
the development of this narrative of like, is it time to forgive? Is it that simple? Is there a time to move on? Are we there? Like, I struggle and go back and forth with it because it's like people cheated and we don't want to see the people who cheated be rewarded for their cheating or be rewarded at all. But at the same time, this is not a team currently actively benefiting from cheating as far as we know. And the only players who are still around from that time are Verlander, McCullers, Bregman, and Altuve. So I'm, I guess, and Gurriel. So I'm curious for you where you're at in kind of wrangling all of those disparate things and how society and the baseball fandom at large should approach the 2022 Houston Astros. Let me just say um, people should approach it however they want to. That's what fandom is. You get to decide what your terms are. You get to decide who you like, who you dislike. You don't have to be rational about it. But if you want to be rational in your sports, viewing, listening, consuming, um, I think you have to separate what the 2017 Astros did from what the 2022 Astros are doing. I think you can look back at 2017 with sadness in the same way that I look back at Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa using PEDs with sadness because they didn't need to, because they were good enough, right? because they got greedy. And, and greed is something that all of us at some point or another in our lives has had. So there is some sort of relatability there with that 2017 team, if we're all being honest with ourselves. Now, what they did was absolutely wrong, and we shouldn't forget about it, but I don't think remembering 2017 and appreciating 2022 are mutually exclusive. We can do both at the same time. Right. And even though there are players from the 2017 team still around, even though there's, you know, central players, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Yuli Gurriel, Justin Verlander, Lance McCullers, like five of the dudes on this team. Um, I, I, it's a half decade ago and I just have a difficult time holding them what they're doing now as to be any less right. because of what they did back then. And I will I will always look at 2017 as... Like we're looking at it right now. From where Jeff and I are sitting, for people listening... Yeah, we really are, we can We are looking directly at the 2017 there, banner. There's a gold flag, and I'm looking at it right now, and all I will ever think is, why is it on this stupid goddamn train track? <laughs> oh. Why is it there? Oh, why? The, the, oh there's an God. orange is going gonna, is gonna to hit it. Unbelievable. The only thing tainting that is the orange beneath it. <laughs> it's, it's just so ugly. We asked all of the guests on the show this. Uh, who's going to win the World <laughs> Series, Jeff? And and how? How will they do it? Who and how? Or in, Instead of a, a boring the, prediction like X in this many games, give me something about this series that you believe will happen firmly. Like a prediction, more like a, let's let's call it a conviction. Uh, the Astros are going to pound Bryce Harper inside with fastballs, middle and up, which he had a lot of trouble hitting coming back from his thumb surgery, but has not really been done to him in the first two rounds. Um, the Astros are going to throw a lot of breaking balls and off-speed stuff to other Philadelphia players because uh, their numbers against off-speed stuff, especially this postseason, are dreadful compared to fastballs. 
Uh, and the Astros, on the strength of their pitching, with just enough hitting, are going to win the World Series in six games. How's that? That's, wow. That's like he said it better than I ever could, and that's pretty much how I feel. So I think we'll leave it. I think we'll leave it at that. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, Jake is. How how would I describe the look on your face right there? Mm, what you just you just kind of sneered a little bit. <laughs> I mean, were you, are you, are you? He's not mad about you, how or? how reasonable you sound. I think I need to eat lunch. Is how I feel. <laughs> I think that's how I feel. I, I think I forgot to eat today. You need to By eat the way, some meal. I will I will say this. I met Matt Veerling earlier today. Might be my new favorite player. Good vibes, right? There you go. Great vibes. There, that's Great a good, vibes. Hey, that's a good note to end on because you guys heard Matt Veerling earlier on in this podcast and you know that the vibes are tremendous. Jeff Passan, I'm sure we will talk to you again uh, soon at some point on this disaster of a podcast. And I can't wait for, the, for that next time. <laughs> the World Series has yet to begin, but we have reached the end of the journey here on this episode of Baseball Barbacast. We cried, we laughed, we talked to probably too many people. You've been listening for too many minutes, and so we are going to say goodbye. Jordan, you know it's time to go here in Houston because they are closing the roof. Ooh, yeah, that's that's your cue uh, to head on out of there. Get some rest. The ra- that's the wrap-it-up box. That's <laughs> yeah, the wrap-it-up wrap wrap box. box. Uh, you can email us at baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this mess of an episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. And reminder, we will be going with much shorter episodes after every game of the 2022 World Series. So make sure you're subscribed, following wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we'll be on those feeds as soon as possible. So thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. And we will talk to you again very soon. Sirius XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.